Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. 1850 715 996. Text to WhatsApp 083 396 The email opinion at 96fm.ie. Well, how do you feel after the first weekend of opinion polls? The first week of ha- having them baiting down your door at every opportunity to get a leaflet in or to get you to listen to them for 30 seconds or whatever. We'll catch up with all the happenings of election 2020 as we go through the morning. But uh, once again, we are reminded of the incredible level of crime and probably drug-fueled and other-fueled crime that we have in our city at the moment. And on Friday morning, we were here reporting on the shocking development, the killing of Cameron Blair, 20-year-old student, who died after he was stabbed at a house party on Bandon Road. Over the weekend, we have learnt, and the sun has broken this morning, that he appears to have, the guy with the knife in his hand, appears to have fled the country. Now, this is is a serious development, and Mooney's breaking this story in an Irish Sun exclusive. And good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Now, I did hear a rumour, as you do, over the weekend that the guy who held the knife had fled. You've been able to add to it? Um, yes, PJ. I was um, I was told by sources that uh, this young man had uh, left the city shortly after the stabbing um, and that Gardaí were trying to track his movement. Now, uh, Gardaí Press were on to me to say that he hadn't left the country, uh, so he may not have gotten as far as, as, as was initially um, thought. So, um, so, but their their investigation is progressing extremely well, and uh, they have uh, gathered an extensive amount of CCTV footage. As you know, uh, Bandon Road is literally covered with CCTV cameras, and uh, they were able to glean a lot of information from those, uh, including uh, seeing three teenagers uh, running up the road after the after this um, horrific attack. Yeah. Um, and Social they, media being what it is, and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok and WhatsApp, whatever platform you choose, there's something on it over the weekend about this horrific crime. 
Yes, and the, 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 you know, as we all know, social media must be taken with a pinch of salt because uh, a lot of what happens on uh, or goes up on social media is, is quite inaccurate. And certainly I've seen some of the footage that has been going around uh, of young people smashing bottles, taking bottles out of bottle banks and um, throwing them all over the streets. Uh, which it cl- people are claiming happened before this incident on the uh, on the Bandon Road, um, and people are being named and I'm told falsely being named. So yes. I think the the Garda appeal that people would not share things on social media is absolutely mm. uh, bang on. I think, I think as we've as we've said on this program before, Anne, I, I don't know if I said it directly to you, but we have certainly said it. If you share a name on social media at this time. And that person should happen to be in front of a court in the fullness of time. That can cause a case to collapse. People don't rem- don't don't realise that. Oh, I think people realise it, PJ. But I, I think that they're absolutely reckless in trying to get uh, their point of view out there and uh, what they believe has happened out there. Um, and, and very very often um, those those are completely inaccurate and and falsely accuse people who are completely innocent. And I'm told that that's happening in this case where young people have been pinpointed and um, had absolutely nothing to do with this mm-hmm. this horrific attack on Cameron Blair. So um, come back to where we started with this one, and and, and I'm reading again from your 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 piece in the Irish Sun that I, I was online that there was an initial fear that the guy who wielded the knife had actually fled the country by ferry, but now the guards are saying no. He hasn't fled the country. Have they have they arrested him, spoken to him yet? No, Gardaí have made no arrests in this. Uh, they certainly have spoken to people. They've spoken to about 15 to 20 people that were um, party goers on the night uh, in the house in Bandon Road uh, where, where Cameron was stabbed. Um, and they have spoken to three teenagers who were uh, caught on CCTV footage uh, running up the Bandon Road. Um, but apart from that, they have um, made no arrests, uh, but I'm told that they um, know where they're going with the investigation. And they have, as you know, PJ, a, a very, very strong uh, team of experienced detectives Indeed. and officers um, in dealing with this in an incident room in Toka Garda Station. Yeah, I, I read also that they have had a lot of cooperation from the public CCTV handed over on many fronts, which has been quite helpful. Yes, but again, they're appealing that people with mobile phone footage would, instead of posting it on social media, would come into the guard station and uh, hand it over or even send it to them uh, so that they can examine every possible uh, detail that's available to them in this investigation. And they are very, very determined to get to the bottom of it and to actually bring to justice the person who perpetrated this terrible crime. All right, and we'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much. Anne Mooney from the Irish Sun. Hearing a lot over the weekend about how well-known and well-liked young Cameron Blair was. Uh, An old friend of mine from Bandon Rugby Club where I used to DJ many, many years ago now. Dan was talking uh, on social media and indeed he was interviewed in one of the newspapers about the shock and horror uh, in Bandon Rugby Club. In fact, I believe Cameron was supposed to play a match over the weekend. That can't have been... uh, That cannot have been unpleasant for anybody to have to to deal with. 1850 There's been a lot of crime uh, also over the weekend. 
A lot of incidents, a lot of violent and serious incidents across the city. Let's get to some of them next. 1850-715-996. Siobhan in St. Luke's says Anne is right. I've heard it was two completely different young fellas. The story's going around about Cameron Blair. For goodness sake, listen to what Anne is saying. Listen to what the guards are saying. If you have information, give it to the guards. Do not be putting it on social media where it's completely wasted. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the solid fuel depot of Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood and gas. SolidFuelDepot.ie The Cork Diary on Cork's 96FM. A music bingo night takes place on Thursday the 23rd of January at Crawford & Co. on Anglesey Street from 8pm. Proceeds from the event in aid of the Urban Soil Project. Cora Mokrina Firma will be hosting a fundraising table quiz on Friday the 24th of January in the Travellers Rest Pub in Cora at 9pm. There'll be refreshments and a raffle on the night and all are welcome to attend. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary With the Wellbeing Network, it's time to look after you. See the wellbeingnetwork.ie On Cork's 96fm The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Text or WhatsApp now 083-396-9696 On Cork's 96fm Now it has been a violent and a crime filled week uh, in Cork with the peak of it of course being that savage killing of young Cameron Blair but over the weekend we had a number of incidents two very serious assaults in Blackpool one Friday one Sunday with a car burnt out in Blarney Street over the weekend I get to all of those with our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran in just a minute but first of all I want to go to the office of Fine Gael Senator Colin Bourke who's also of course a candidate in the uh, general election for Cork North Central bricks put in the window of the office uh, column was it last evening good morning yeah it's ha- good morning uh, PJ yeah at around 8 o'clock last evening um, there were bricks that were thrown in with force because one of the bricks came through the window it bounced off a wall inside and chipped one of the walls as well as breaking the windows um, I got a phone call from one of the uh, business premises across the road at around 8.15 and they'd already reported to the Gardaí. So um, there were two windows, <clears throat> two panes of glass broken, a number of stones and bricks thrown in, you know. Where exactly is your office based? My office is in the old uh, uh, the old post office in Blackpool, okay. just near the church in Blackpool. Right there by the church. And I've been there from since August. I've opened, I was in Shandon Street, but I moved on to Blackpool because I needed a bit more space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I needed to put in full-time staff there as well, you know. Now, there were, we know there was another incident in Blackpool last night where a man was beaten with a hurley, and I get more information from Fiona about that in a minute, but are you any close, any, any, are you near where that happened? My understanding, well, we're on the um, we're on the uh, the um, Dublin Hill side of the church in Blackpool. I think that incident happened on the other side of the church, okay. as I understand it. You know, you've also had posters taken during the week. We've had uh, um, we've had um, we believe there's about 250 posters have just been taken down, gone. They were taken down, were put taken out in about 12 hours, being put up. Um, we got phone calls on it. We reported the matter to Gardaí on Thursday night. I know in fairness the Gardaí are very busy with, with other in- issues. Um, and basically um, on Friday night again, we got phone calls from people on the north side of the city. One woman in particular rang us saying that there was two guys going around the ladder actually physically removing all the Fine Gael posters. And they, w- they were just wondering why were they all being taken down. 
mm-hmm. and um, both Councillor Joe Cavan and myself, we were over in Mount Anati Canvassy at the time we drove over to where this incident was reported. No, we didn't come across the people that were well gone by the time we got over there, you know. Do you feel that the taking of the posters and the bricks through the window last night, are they linked, do you believe? Or could you just be the victim? I, I mean, there are I, lots of business premises get bricks put through their window. Oh, not making not making it right now. It's not, yeah. but, but like, could you have been randomly selected or do you I think it's connected? I don't know. It's very hard, PJ, to say. I can't say that one is connected to the other and it would be wrong for me to say so. I think in fairness to um, Blackpool and all the north side of the city, it's a great sense of community. And I think one of the funny things that happened to me last night, if it's considered funny to think that a neighbour came in with a cup of tea and, bi- and biscuits at her own nine o'clock to me. <coughs> which, is, which is a nice touch. You know, I mean, there is a great sense of community. I've been working with the community in the north side of the city for a long number of years, served as chairman of the Blackpool Community Centre. I ran the involved in the Blackpool Clinburn Retraining Centre, which dealt with people who had dropped out of school with six full-time staff in there providing training. There's an anger, though, Cullum, out there towards Fine Gael in particular, the early days of this election. Uh, Are you feeling that? No, I mean, we were out canvassing. We've been out canvassing all of the time. I mean, um, certainly I don't find any anger towards me. Um, I've worked very hard with the community right across the north side of the city over a long number of years, and I don't find that anger towards me. Um, I think, yes, people are disappointed and that feel a lot more could be done. A lot has been done in the sense of you look at unemployment in the north side of the city, it has literally come away down compared to what it was. Mm. Um, we've come from kind of 15% unemployment down to less than 4.8%. Yeah. A lot of people who are long-term uh, unemployed, yeah. there's been a huge amount of training. Lots of people done. do say, though, that a lot of those jobs are, are low-paid and part-time. And, and No, I mean, in yeah. fairness, if you look at the figures on it and you look at the figures, for instance, you know, the jobs that have been created, the average income of, say, IDA-created jobs mm. uh, is now 66000 per annum. Yeah. It's above the national okay. It's now above okay. the national wage okay. uh, level. The average wage in this country now is 44000 per annum. Well, there's not so, a lot. I wonder where they calculate that from, Column, because I don't know a lot of people in ordinary everyday jobs that are on 44. I'd say it's more like 24. But look, we'll be talking look, about those issues as we of, go there's along. A lot of, there's a lot of jobs now, and you can take Kilbarry Industrial Estate, you take a Little Island, you take down on the south side of the city, you take, um, you know, places like in in Bishopstone, all those areas yeah. where there are jobs, people are on good incomes. Well, right as I said, that, 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 that may, may well be what the figures say, but look, we'll, we'll, we will... Um, but the average income in, in PJ now is 44,000 across the country. That is the average industrial wage now. How is that calculated? Though? Who, cal- who, who, who's, I mean, is, <coughs> is Mary down the corner shop calculated as part of that? Yeah, but remember, it's an average, so therefore there are people on uh, very high income. Is she? Is she? Oh, yeah, absolutely, because remember, there are pay, people... Is her tenner an hour for her 19 yeah. hours a week, is, is remember, that calculated? But, like? but remember, PJ, we have actually increased, we've increased the minimum wage on two or three occasions over the last two years, three years. So, like, we have set minimum wage there that wasn't there before, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, people have got increases and in particular in racial low pay we've made sure that there's that there is yeah. um that they have a minimum wage and we there are many people who would call this program on a frequent basis uh, call them who would say that the minimum wage is the average wage in their experience and the experience yeah. of their but, families but, and the experience but, of their but, friends 
TJ, if you look at the uh, monies that are coming in from income tax, that's the guide as well, because that's where figures come from uh, as regards monies collected in income tax. And that's one of the issues where, um, you know, remember, people are into the higher tax bracket at 34,500, and there's a huge number of people into that tax bracket at a very early stage. Uh, And I mean, if you look at, you know, you look at an awful lot of businesses now who are finding it difficult to get employees. because well, the, the, the we do we, we we do hear that, but yeah. I, it, the thing is, and I know you can give me statistics. Every politician can give me statistics, and you can quote averages this and averages that. But I wonder if the average person can afford to fix the windows in their house if they were put in with bricks. That, Absolutely, that's because the f- there's there's cost issues as well that have arisen, know? and there's no question about about that, PJ. And that's one of the things that we need to look at. How do we make it that that the average family have more money? In their, in their, but I guess that'll that'll be the job of 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 whatever arrangement we have after the 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 eighth of, of February. Thanks very much, Senator Cullenborg, for that one. I just wanted to catch up with him about the putting in of windows in his office in Blackpool last night. He's not linking it. He's not linking it. Thank you, Cullum. He's not linking it to the taking of posters off poles over the last few days. Many people might link it in their heads, but they're not. And he reckons it could be just as random as putting it through any other business. John Kavanagh says on Twitter, a man stabbed to death, a man hit with a hammer, a car burnt out, and you're interviewing a broken, about a broken window in a constituency office. You've got this. John, you're not at the buses at all, or at the races at all, because we've been on the whole lot of that. In fact, we're going right back to it now with our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, because I wanted to catch up with uh, Senator Bork there. Fiona, but you've been across this, what do you mind, another crime wave at the weekend. A fella hit with a hurley, man bashed with a hammer, cars burnt out Blarney Street, and of course the ongoing investigation into the murder of Cameron Blair. Where are you right now? I think you're in Blackpool, are you? Good morning. Yeah, I'm actually in the office of Colin Burke, um, PJ, and I'm just sitting here looking at the damage caused to his office last night. Um, and I know that your texter there was saying that it wasn't a big deal, but I mean, it is still criminal damage. It is a property here in the city centre and a brick was thrown through the window and there's smashed glass all over the floor here and all over the chairs and the brick is still there on the floor and the windows are now all boarded up. So it is an incident of criminal damage and it's one um, of a number of incidents that happened in this particular area of Blackpool over the weekend. On Friday night um, at around uh, just after eight o'clock, there was reports on social media of a possible shooting in Blackpool, but we got it confirmed from Gardaí that it wasn't a shooting, but what actually happened was two men were assaulted by another two men just outside the community centre in Blackpool, and they were assaulted um, by these men who were using baseball bats and a hammer. And uh, we understand that one of the men sustained quite a serious head injury and he was treated for that injury at Cork University Hospital. Now, the two men were arrested and they were taken to Mayfield Guard the Station for questioning and they were released or released without charge and a file has gone to the DPP in connection with that. And now last night, again, another incident, uh, we got a call just after eight o'clock to say that um, another man had been seriously injured in an assault. Um, outside the cinema at the retail centre in Blackpool um, near the the cinema. And what we understand happened in that situation is that that man was hit over the head with a hurley um, by a group of men in a car and he was taken to Cork University Hospital for treatment. Now, Gardaí have confirmed to us this morning that they 
were also called to that scene and when they arrived there was nothing to uh, report on at that stage that everybody was gone and um, they're not investigating an assault there because when they arrived there was no evidence of an assault but we have it confirmed from a very reliable source that that person was taken to hospital and also eyewitnesses have reported seeing this incident happen um so it's it's a bit of a strange one and i suppose if anybody does have any information with regards to that incident um maybe they could send it on to gardi and uh, there was also a car burnt out um, on Blarney Street in the early hours of Sunday morning. Now, um, what we understand happened in that situation was that one car was um, set on fire in an apparent arson attack and that the fire spread to a near another car. And the impact of the heat on a neighbouring business resulted in the windows being cracked and uh, smoke damage to the front of the building. And I think there was about three to 5,000 euro worth of damage caused. And the car was obviously, uh, the two cars were very badly damaged in that incident. And there's a lot of residents in that area as well. And it was a very frightening situation for them to witness. Um, so Gardaí are investigating that and they're also asking for anybody who has any information to contact them. Uh, so, you know, this all happened on the back. Uh, you know, we had Friday night, as you said, or Friday morning, Peter, we were reporting on that uh, horrific murder of Cameron Blair. Then Friday night, we had the first incident of that serious assault in Blackpool. Then on Sunday morning, we had um, the reports of the car on fire. Last night we had the reports of the assault at, um, uh, in Blackpool again and then there was the criminal damage caused here to Cullen Burke's office. So um, it was quite a busy weekend, quite, quite a violent weekend in Cork. And a lot of people on social media were saying that, you know, it's it's not the city that they would have known years ago that it seems to have gotten out of control, that there's an awful lot of violence. And whether it's an issue for Gardaí or politicians, you know, they're saying that something needs to be done, that this can't be allowed to carry on. People are afraid you know in their areas and you know i think that the two incidents in blackpool um on friday night and last night there's obviously be uh, um people will be wondering is there a link between them mm. um and we are hearing different um stories of different feuds going on between various different gangs um but you know you don't want it to escalate any further you don't want to have a situation like what they have up in drogheda and dublin um, we don't want that down here in Cork. So um, there have been appeals over the weekend from the members of the public and from politicians and public representatives to please bring it under control and to stop it. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the level of crime that we have had over the last few months, uh, Fiona, you know, you, you have to ask yourself the question, will it take a keen Mulready for this city to get yeah. more guards? We don't want it happening. We don't want it. But, you know, we've had a Cameron Blair. We've had a Timmy Howrahan. We've had a few more than like, like that. We're going to need that. And candidates that I've spoken to on and off air are saying crime, 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 crime. Yes, and we did get extra guardie in the run-up to Christmas here in Cork. And it would have looked like at that stage that the incidence of crime did decrease. So... You know whether that was a direct result of more crime on the on the or more gardi on the streets, um, you know one would wonder. But it, um, you know something needs to be done. There obviously isn't enough gardi patrolling now. When you talk to gardi, they say a lot of the time these kind of incidents wouldn't be able to be controlled anyway. I mean you can't 
have a guard in every single house where there's a party. But at the same time, I think if there was more of a guard presence, it might deter people somewhat. Um, you know, I'm standing here, I know one of your texters was saying there about, you know, Cullen Burke's office, but, you know, just to see it here, PJ, like I'm walking around and I'm standing on a load of broken glass and, you know, that's not a scene for anybody, mm. uh, regardless of what you're... It just so happens to be are. a public representative at the moment. It could be any yeah. business in the street tomorrow, and it is many businesses. I've been hearing last night about a business very close to us here had their windows put in only a couple of weeks mm. ago. It's a, it's a major problem. It's a major problem. It is, it is, and it's not nice. And it's not... And I mean, I think with social media as well, um, you know, the these incidents are out there before nearly the Gardaí even arrive on scene. And, you know, it's spread far and near, and people in Cork and further afield are, are looking at Cork now and saying, is this a city that's full of crime? God, we're seeing different incidents being reported on every single night. And, you know, nobody wants that for the city. And um, we would hope that that is not what happens and okay. that, some, you know, that some control is taken over these incidents. And certainly people are definitely very frightened at the moment and very worried about the state. Thank you very much, uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. Apologies for the confusion in getting her on air there. These things these things happen. Just, go, just going over the, the, the stuff that has been coming to the light on this programme alone in the last six months. You know, muggings at knife point, beatings, attacks, assault, women robs of handbags and purses as they shopped in the middle of the day, all kinds of sexual crimes, drug dealing, open drug use. Just last week, Greg Canty was on the phone to say that while he was walking to work in the city centre, in broad daylight there he sees guys chasing the dragon, as they call it in the drug terms. Buses being rerouted because of thuggery. You know, uh, we have a bus driver threatened with rape by little teenage thugs who refused to pay their fares. Like, this is the level we are at in the city as we enter the campaign for election 2020. And this is the stuff that people are going to bring up on the doors, whether the politicians like it or not. I'll go to Killian first because he was there first. Killian, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good, good. We have a very serious crime problem, and it is the key issue on the doorsteps, I would think, this election time. We do indeed, and it's, it's multifaceted. Um, for the current criminals, you know, the bail conditions are a joke. Um, curfews, the guards are, are too short-staffed and dealing with critical incidents as it is to go knocking on doors. Uh, we all know about the drugs conditions. But what galls me at the moment, and uh, it's not the Gardaí's fault, you know, I back the guards 100% um, on this. People walking around with machetes. No, I can't understand why machetes haven't been banned. And for the listeners that don't know, a machete is a broad blade used either as an implement, like an axe, um, mm. or a cutting tool in the jungles, um, or a combat-like short sword. Now, these include gurkha knives and bended knives, and uh, a lot of it would be like the cutlasses, you know, you've seen the cartoons like Aladdin and all those kind of um, mm. Middle Eastern kind of films. They haven't been banned, mm. you know, and like... It, they were this is not something you used to file your nails, put it that way. No, no one in Ireland has any business with a machete um, if they're not in the, in the armed forces. Mm-hmm. Um, they, like, they were quick enough to ban the head shops. They had them banned within 36 hours. And why machetes haven't been banned is beyond me. Um, and as I said, there's the bail conditions there. I know you have the Holy Joes now, and I did with the same in Cork with this facial recognition software that's, that's uh, being debated. They're not going to want that. Yes, it's going to stop crime. Well, I won't say stop crime, that's probably the wrong word, but it will definitely reduce it. 
and you know all the scumbags and they're in every village in Ireland standing on street corners What what did you make of what Michal Martin said yesterday Killian? I don't know if you heard it but effectively what he said was if they need to have a referendum to give extra powers to the special criminal court to bring gang gang leaders before them uh, Fianna Fáil in government would do it now look that could be electioneering of the highest order but is it an idea you'd agree with? Um, Michal Martin is, is, is far removed from the people on the street um, you go up to Carrick, Navarre, Mallow, Ballinacurra, Middleton, Yall, Cove, um, any town in Ireland, Skibbereen, Bentry, there's kids on street corners and they're terrorising everybody. Yeah. No, it's, it, they're not many, but they are a few and the good, decent people uh, on the ground don't need to be putting up that crap and there's nothing they can do. So Michal Martin would want to be worried about the people on the streets um, rather than the criminals in Dublin, um, you know, to, to really get the votes in. Um uh, hogwashing there with our special criminal courts. The special criminal court has been around for decades and it's very, very good. Um, the guards know what they're doing and any any political interference in that, he doesn't know what he's talking about, to be honest. Okay. Um, and he can he can only get the real deal and the real information when he's actually in cabinet dealing with the Garda commissioner themselves uh, on, on Garda and legal matters and with the... Which the uh, with the Attorney General. So uh, that's all just hogwashing, to be honest with you. All right. Okay. Leave there. Killian, thanks ever so much. 1857 159960. Let's go to Easy. And uh, I was like, I have children sleeping. I said, oh, sorry. And then the country, he, he went out. And, the language, you know, Stephanie, they, please. Uh, he went out a bit, and the country clean, Larry came, because I told him I was after calling the guards. Right. And he saw the lights of the country clean, and I'm sure he thought they were the guards, so he stood in a while. And then when the country, when he knew it wasn't the guards, he went away. This is 6 o'clock so in the morning. Yeah, six o'clock in the morning. And he just wanted to not get get in your door. He didn't care what yeah. time. In my door at six o'clock in the morning. Well, the next thing, no, he knocked my door. There's a big baseball bat inside there for them. Tell me, how long are you living up there, Stephanie? 20 years. 20 years. Someone said to me the other morning, or tried to sell a line here the other morning, that, you know, it's 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 not as bad as we're painting it. Has it gotten worse in the 20 years you're living there? Yes. What kind of Definitely. things do you worry about from day to day, other than fellas knocking on your door at six in the morning? Well, I mean, I'd be afraid to leave my children outside the door, do you know? Even my older children, I'm always saying, if they're up in my place, I'll drive them home. Do you know, I won't leave them go back home on their own. Yeah. Do you know, it's just, I, wouldn't leave, I wouldn't walk out in the street on my own even. Would you not? No. Yeah. no I, I, I mean, are you close to where Cameron Blair died the other night? Near enough, not near, near enough. Not on the same, not on the same street. Yeah, I get that, but you're 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 not far away either. No, no, no. So, would you have a lot of rowdy parties going on there, for example, in that part? Yeah, I'm on a main road, so you'd have the students up and down shouting, roaring, fighting, kicking off murders off cars and lorries and whatever parts there. Mm. So, but that's been on for years. Would you see many guards around? Yeah, I do. Well, it's now to do half myself. Yeah. To do. I see him passing through the CTV. I see him. Oh, you've yawned. Um, the, the, the 
the lads the walking ones as well are up and down around now a lot lately as well. Have you had many canvassers up to you yet? No. Oh, oh they want to see me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you're in a strange part of, of town because it's impossible to know who's in what constituency there. Are you in North Central or South Central? I am too. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, look out your door. Who's, who, whose face is up on a poster? Uh, I mean, I've seen... Oh, who did I see? Jesus, I know. I don't want to take some notes because I'm saying, draw and pack them. I won't be voting for any of them. If you don't vote for anybody, then, then really you, you can change nothing. Thanks, Steph. 1857 No, I was driving around that area there, uh, was it Friday or Saturday? And I happened to notice that up around Barrack Street, Bandon Road, that general area, you really would be hard-pressed to know which flipping constituency you're in, whether you're North Central or South Central. If there's one place up there where there's a picture of a North Central candidate on one side of the street and a South Central on the other side, and it's going to confuse people no end when it comes to figuring out who to vote for. 1850-715-996. Let's go to Councillor uh, Thomas Gould about uh, community policing. Thomas, we, we hear about not enough guards in the street need for more guards, you never see a guard. What do you want to tell me? Yeah, well, PJ, over the last week, because of all the attacks, I've been talking to people on the ground, and actually, I've been talking to Gary, and I've got unbelievable figures uh, that were quoted to me over the weekend that in, in the Granabraharie area district, which would run from Ballancolly, Tower, Blarney, Whitechurch, all the rural areas, and then all the north side, Dr. Heaney, Farley, right all the way down, that there were supposed to be 20 community guardy and one sergeant. And there was a lot of fanfare from the government about this last year, uh, only a number of months ago, and at a meeting inside City Hall of the Policing Forum, we were told about how these 20 community guards and a sergeant were going to tackle local crime, uh, tackle gangs, that they were going to meet young people. And there's only 10 community guards and no sergeant, and the thing about it, Peter, they don't even have a car to drive around. They're waiting on other girls to come back to borrow their cars to go out and do their work. Oh, God. And they, you couldn't make we, that up. That that sounds like could, something out of Kilna Scully. That does. So can you imagine all the girls sitting in, in garage stations with a list of people they need to call to, with a list of young people in particular that are who are on the edge of getting into serious criminal activity and they don't have the resources. And what the Gardaí are telling me is that uh, they're not being supported by the government, they're not being supported uh, with the resources they need, and they have serious issues about the the management mm. because what they're saying is Gardaí are being siphoned off to other areas like Dundalk and Dublin to deal with the serious criminality and the murders that are taking place there. Well, you see, but we're not pro- short of serious criminality and murders down here either, and no one seems to be listening about that. But you see, the problem was, Peter Cock was always considered, uh, I suppose, reasonably safe, and we were never classed like Dublin and Limerick. But because the the numbers were cut so badly, and the criminals, these, these young thugs that were getting away with criminal activity and antisocial behaviour, they then got involved in drugs, and these now have turned into really dangerous criminals. Mm. So, 
because of the lack of investment and Gardaí on the ground and Gardaí not getting the support they need. And people are going to say it to me, PJ, because you've said it to me in the past and people have rang in, uh, I'm always on about Gardaí numbers. But you ask anyone who walks the streets uh, in Blackpool, in the north side, even in the city centre, I, I very rarely see Gardaí walking the ground. And when I was growing up in Octahini and Churchfield, you'd always see a guard. I, I actually, you'd know the guards by name before. And that's actually the thing about it. The Gardaí would call into the local shop, the local school, they'd know the GA lads and the soccer lads. Yeah, they knew the ground around them and, 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 and they were able to, when, when something went wrong, they had a fair idea who was involved in it. Thomas, leave it there for now. Thanks very much, Thomas Gould. He tells me 10 community guards but they have no sergeant, which means no one gives them any instruction, no leader, so they're going around leaderless, and no car. Like, that's the best bit. They're borrowing cars from other guards. 1857-15996. That's North Central. Go to South Central. Councillor Paddy Deneen, uh, who's an independent candidate. You're also a paramedic, Paddy, so you see, I think, probably yeah. at first hand, the effects of drugs. Uh, drugs, 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 as well as crime, crime, crime. We're awash with drugs in the city, and it's causing all sorts of crime. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, we are. We are indeed, and... Uh it's become more pro- prolific in the last number of years, or even months and years, uh, where, where the drugs and taking the drugs is being done openly in the public streets. Yeah. So, what I, I take it that crime and drugs are the key issue at your meeting, canvassing in this election? Well, yes. Well, the lawlessness would be how we put it. We'd, we'd certainly have a, a, an element of lawlessness that's, that's on our streets presently. Um, and, and as Thomas said, it comes down to the, the lack of resources, the lack of Gardaí. And we, and we need to go back to the old way of policing. We need to get the boots on the street, get, get the Gardaí on the streets, patrolling the streets. And as I was at, the, at recent JPC meetings, I've been calling for a stop, search and seize policy to be adopted, where Torregs, just like the guys who committed that terrible crime on, on Torza, can be stopped and searched. And when they're caught with these weapons, that they'll be, that they will be removed from the, the streets. The civil libertarians will lose their minds at that. They will wet yes. themselves. Civil, yes. civil. They're trying to do it in London at the moment. They're trying to do stop and search to cut down the knife crime in London, which is at ridiculous levels. Three more mo- people murdered in, Dub- in in London last night. Yes. And every time you mention stuff like you just mentioned, all of the the the, the, the liberals are, oh, you can't be doing that. Of course you can. Yes, you can. I believe you can. If somebody calls, is, 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 is suspicious enough on the streets, I think the Gardaí should stop them. Lift them and, and, lift, them. Lift them and frisk them? And, 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 just, and find out who they are. Who are these people? Where do they come from? Where do they live? So you know if something does happen, you know exactly where you're going the next morning. Just come into your paramedics hat for a second, Paddy. Yeah. Drugs, drug-related stuff on the streets. How many people are you coming across on an average shift? Drugs. Well, um, well, well I, I know I'm not with the HSE anymore. No, I, I work for a private company now, okay. and uh, I've retired from the HSE. Um, but at the time, when I was at the HSE, you could see the the issues of the drugs and how, how serious it can be. And what it does basically is it does definitely drive crime because these people are they are sick. They need help without doubt. They, they need they need that that supports to try and get them to kick this habit. And it's that habit that drives them to commit crime. A lot of it is petty crime. It's mm. petty crime, I must say. But it does lead to other, other issues, you know. Okay, all right, okay. Leave it there. Councillor Ponty Deneen uh, running as an independent in Cork South Central. I will have to do the lists. I will do the lists. Just give me a, give me a minute.
But I want to go to our old friend Michael Gearan, who's quoted on the front page of the Examiner this morning as saying that now young people are budgeting for a few lines of cocaine just like they budget for suits and flowers and limos and chocolates and all of that for their debs. Michael, the shocking part is you don't seem surprised. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, I'm not surprised at all. Um, That that comment arose from a number of phone calls we received here from concerned parents over the course of last year when this became apparent to them. They rang us very, very concerned as to know how they might approach their child about this kind of thinking and so on, because they were actually aware of it. That was the scary part about it, is that they knew that their children and their peers um, in their year were, were doing this. How had they found out about it? Is that a silly question? I I, I wasn't quite sure how, how they extrapolated the information, but I do know it was a consistent thing. It wasn't just a one-off call, if you understand what I mean. So it wasn't, I mean, anything can happen once. But why we weren't surprised about it was the clients we are getting in over the last 12 months, there's been a 50% increase in the people looking for help for cocaine dependence. But they're all telling us the same thing that they were exposed to and given cocaine at around the age of 15 or under. Get away. Yes. So, like, there is, there is an awful lot. A typical route would be where you would get a young man or a young girl, but primarily a young man, who would be engaging in substance misuse, more than likely cannabis in his early teens. The purveyor of the cannabis would give him cocaine in an attempt to draw him in. Right. Now, having done so, the issue then is the person can pay for the cocaine that they are taking. So in order to pay their dues, they become a distributor in their own right. And there is a massive, complex spider's web of a distribution network for cocaine out there across the entire country that the authorities and the government and the guardie, I don't think, have a concept of how intricate and complex and hierarchical it is. And Michael, this is stuff and you're obviously holding much confidential information to yourself which you must do in your line of work but this is stuff that's coming to you in counselling and group sessions. Yes, this is stuff we are hearing from real life people who have taken the very brave step to come into rehab and try and sort themselves out and they are categorically telling us all the time that they are being exposed to cocaine in early adolescence, systematically exposed to it and it, 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 this now is becoming commonplace. It's not something we hear once a month. It's something we are hearing all the time. And it's probably the reason why where we had 60 to 70 people waiting for drug treatment two years ago that we now have between 250 and 300. Good God. If I was talking to you 10 years ago, we'd probably have been having this conversation uh, about cannabis. So cannabis then was seen as the, the gateway. Now it's cocaine and it's cocaine Young kids, I mean, what are they at 15? Only kids, kids taking cocaine. Kids taking cocaine. And you see, the thing about the cocaine is, PJ, no, it has become so common. It is everywhere. We had a young man from a rural part of County Cork in treatment here recently, and he made a definite categorical statement that he could get cocaine within a kilometre of his home. Crikey. And, and young people like this, Michael, do, do, do you see a risk that if they don't get sorted by people like yourself, that they can get involved in the kind of thing that ended up with Keane Mulready being murdered and butchered in Drogheda? 
Look, <clears throat> as people progress into these things, they get involved in stuff that they might not necessarily, their character wouldn't necessarily take them there. And they can get very much entrapped in this whole culture that surrounds drug distribution. And if they make a mistake, I mean, there are some extremely nasty people at the top of these, these, these pyramids. Um, and conceivably, yes, somebody could lose their life. And there is absolutely no doubt that the atrocities we have seen over the last number of weeks and months um, are all crime-related. And be, as a, by crime, I mean the distribution of illegal substances. Mm, and we, have, we virtually have had no response from government on this being absolutely straight about it. I mean, we have a junior minister with responsibility for the drug strategy, and that definitely needs to become a cabinet position in the next administration because it is getting so out of hand. Do you get frustrated that you've been giving me these kind of messages and others these kind of messages for many years? Do you often feel like you're banging your head off the wall of your own counselling centre? Um, sometimes, PJ, I mean, we understand that resources are scarce, but when we come up with projects that we believe will make a difference, and sometimes we find it difficult to get public representatives to get behind them in the way that they should, certainly that is a frustrating situation. I mean, for example, in our centre in Kildare at the moment, we are expanding it by 40 beds um, because we know that the demand is there. But at the same time, we haven't got the response from the minister that we feel we ought to have got because she hasn't got behind the project. Finally, as a parent, Michael, and parents will be listening to me, uh, shocked by the front page of the Echo and by our, con our the examiner and by our con conversation here, how would a parent know if their youngster was getting stuck in cocaine? There's three things that parents need to watch out for with, with um, adolescents if something is going wrong. One is a sudden, unexplainable drop in academic performance at school. Two is, a, is an unexplainable, rapid change in the circle of friends. And three is a sudden, unexplained, undeterminable need for money. And if you have two of these three characteristics or these two or the three of these developments coming together, you can reasonably suspect that there's something is wrong and you need to sit down with that young person and have a chat with them. Because if an A student becomes a C student, there has to be a reason for it. If somebody stops being friends with someone that they've been friends with all their life, there has to be a reason for it. And if they're looking for money that you can see where they actually spent it, that's also something to be concerned about. And Michael Gearan, finally, if I had the Taoiseach on the other end of this telephone right now, what would you say to him directly and don't hold back? I would be saying to Leo, if he was on the end of the phone now, I would be saying drugs and the fallout from drugs is as much a contributory factor to the health and housing crisis as anything else and that he should please make the Minister for Responsibility with the drug strategy a cabinet minister in the next government and please ensure that that minister is getting advice from people on the ground who are dealing with these problems on an everyday basis. All right, Michael, leave it there. Michael Gearan, uh, thanks very much. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Focus coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late, seven days. Solidfueldepot.ie The Takeover on Cork's 
Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire off. Jumping on a trampoline. Cause I don't care with my baby Takeover. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96FM. If you're wondering why we're focusing so heavily on crime and other such issues this morning, apart from the fact that they matter a whole lot, they really do, uh, the Taoiseach Leah Varadkar will be a guest on the Opinion Line at half past 11 today. Uh, if you want to ask the Taoiseach a question or if you'd like us to make note of a question for the Taoiseach, you can text or WhatsApp that question now to 83 396 or indeed you can email that question to opinion at 96fm.ie. An issue you want to bring up, a question you'd like us to ask the Taoiseach, he'll be with me on the opinion line between half past 11 and 12 today. 1850-715-996, text 083-396-9696, and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. As I say, I have a whole lot of comments on crime held over, and I will get to as many of them as I can. But one man that was listening to them outside in the corridor and just said it's been there during the news, a very interesting discussion on crime for the hour, uh, is Stephen Teep. Uh, named last Friday afternoon as the Cork Person of the Year for 2020. And Stephen, congratulations to you on that that accolade. And I guess before we get into it, as, as the father of two small boys, this is a frightening world for them to be growing up in. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Yeah, I know it's scary, isn't it? Like when you look at the, I suppose, the death of that young man last Thursday um, in Cork, you, you're looking at the... The deaths of uh, that homeless person even two, three weeks ago and even a couple of months back, another homeless person increasing in crime around the suburbs and all we know is the, the lack of resources the Gardaí have and we're, yet we don't hear about any solution for that. You know, we, we the Taoiseach might come out and say, oh yeah, we'll, have it, we'll get additional resources for this, but we don't actually hear words like how many and when they'll come on board and this is enough and it is certainly worrying. Um, it's just all this bad news after bad news around crime in the city it, 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 it is frightening yeah, yeah it definitely is isn't it yeah and I suppose as, as you prepare two young boys to be teenagers and young men you kind of search your mind and go how do I A prepare them and B protect them I think I read a headline this morning from the Taoiseach saying that Ireland is a safe place um, that he said either today or yesterday but I suppose you do have to question that what, does, what do those words mean to the Blair family this morning now yeah. Um, and this week when they buried our child, you know, like this, 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 like Cameron is just, just going to college. He's just do, ordinary do college student. Him? Do you believe that he should, that it's a safe place? No, I don't. Um, look, I suppose it's safe considering other places around the world for sure, but it is increasingly getting worse. There's no question about that. Um, 
And um, yeah, and when you look at the, the lack of resources, guard stations, if you remember over the last couple of years being closed down around the suburbs. I live in Carrigaline, increasing crime around there. If the guard station in Carrigaline is closed, you have to phone Toker. That's the other side of the city mm. before you get through to anybody. And, the, and that guard station is closed most of the time, if I remember from my own days there. Yeah. Stephen, let's get to the uh, the, the, the accolade on, on Friday afternoon. I think the most poignant thing that I heard you say, I think you said it to Fiona, uh, from the newsroom, it's not a place you ever wanted to be or ever should have been receiving that award. Yeah, that's true. I um, the the award ceremony didn't start till twelve thirty that day, and that morning, I suppose I dropped the kids off to school and crash, and had a few a uh, few hours around the house, and yeah, I was just just kind of thinking, you know, off now to the Cork Person of the Year Awards. I got the the Person of the Year um, last September, and you know, there was twelve of us up for the nomination for the for the Person of the Year, and kind of started reflecting on the couple of years that I've gone through, you know, starting with, you know, Irene and the, her cancer diagnosis and all that pain and suffering that she went through for two years and her passing away. And then this was the life that was handed to Oscar and myself and Noah and the, the months that led after that while we try and find our feet again and our place again in this world. Then the scandal kicks off and how I reacted to that. And here I am getting ready for an awards ceremony. I'm just thinking to myself, you know, like, is this worth it? You know, like, at the end of it all, what is what is what is this all about? And I think I had to kind of refocus myself into exactly what what I was doing there because it really is for me. Um, yeah, I shouldn't be there. I mean, shouldn't be dead. I shouldn't have had to react to to this situation that shouldn't even exist. But I did. And um, for me, I suppose I had to refocus my mind on what it is I do. And that's giving a voice to people who don't have a voice anymore, like Irene and the other women who passed away, but also the other families and women in this scandal. And also as well, the children like mine. And there's so many children that have lost parents in this and have sick mothers in this that don't have a voice also. So I think at the end of it, how I got it uh, right in my head was it was um, obviously a fantastic honour, but also a fantastic recognition for all of the voices mm. in this and all of the different stories in this whole debacle. Were there tears? Very close to it. Um, to be honest with you, there was plenty of tears for my family, all right, because I guess they've been watching very close everything that I've been going through. So mm. they were quite emotional by it. But for myself... Um, no, it was it was close, but no, there, yeah. there was no tears. Because I did see the the tweet come up um, on Friday afternoon, and I was absolutely thrilled for you yeah. when I saw it. But I thought that's the last place he ever wanted to be. Do you know? Like I, I tried to prepare my head for going go going to it. You know, like I didn't write any speech or anything like that for did it. Did you so. know when did you find out? Um, when they announced it, so it was, um, you know, during the ceremony. Yeah. So. Um, like I didn't write any speech, you know. Like I, I honestly didn't think I was going to win. I'm not just saying that, but like there, are, you, if you look through the, the list, was 11, it was a phenomenal list. Unbelievable, wasn't it? Phenomenal. Like you look at the likes of Katrina Toomey and what she does for the homelessness and all these incredible people. So like I wasn't even focusing on winning that day. And I said, look, should I prepare something or not? And I said, no, I won't bother. I'll just go up there and just you know speak from the heart and just mm. say it the way it is. And that's what I did. And <laughs> my opening line then was. Uh, I shouldn't be here. It's probably not the best thing when you're going up receiving an award. But um, do you know, I suppose it is the truth in a way. Like, like I shouldn't be there. This whole thing shouldn't exist. It does, though. So I know there have been moments, probably in the last year or two, where you've sat at home exhausted, yeah. trying to raise your beautiful boys, trying to do a good, do your day job, which we forget about. Going to all these meetings, hearing all these promises, 
being left down time and time again. The determination to keep going. Do accolades like this build upon it or do you need building upon it at all? You definitely do need building upon it. And I think Oni Lawler was even just saying at the awards ceremony, you know, like the, what we do can be a very lonely thing. And it is a very lonely thing, you know, like if when I go up once a month to Dublin to meet with the Department of Health, the HSC, you know, I have to get my mother into the house at seven o'clock in the morning to dress the lads and feed them to take them to school so I can rush into town, catch the eight o'clock train. And I'm the next two and a half hours on my own on the train going up to a meeting for an hour and a half. Might have another meeting afterwards and then you know it'll be a very tough day tough meetings and then you're back on the train back home and then you rushing home to collect the boys again and you go back home put them to bed and then you're sitting on the couch and you're just absolutely drained and you're just like did we do anything today did we achieve anything today did anybody hear us today you know and there are days where you're just you can be quite depressed from it all to be honest with you but then you know for example it was like two weeks ago i just popped down to barry collins's in in super value Line just to grab a few groceries and it was just one of these days where I was just kind of dragging my feet and mm. next thing this random stranger just stops me. She goes, are you Stephen Teep? She says, I just want to just say thank you for everything you're doing and just to keep going. I think you're doing great. And that was it. That was my spirits lifted then for the yeah. day because it was actually the first time since that day of travelling the day before that I actually was like, God, actually, you know what? I, you are being listened to, you know? Mm. So when you get an award like last Friday, it's definitely reflects on and you know everything that you say and do and it does give you that um, sense of that you are being listened to and you are being heard and it definitely is a boost um, in motivation from that regard definitely well Stephen the Taoiseach will be a guest on this programme between 11.30 and midday today um, is there anything that you'd like to say to him on the, based on your experience over the last number of years and looking to whomever forms the next administration so much, PJ. How long have we got? <laughs> well, I give you one minute. <laughs> one minute. Oh my God! Okay, go on, take it long no, you like. Yeah, okay. Well, look, I suppose I suppose the main thing is like, what is what what does the Taoiseach plan on doing differently than what he has been doing while he had control of government? You know, like I think the last four years, we just see things getting worse and worse and worse. Here we are again, a healthcare crisis. Um, not enough hospital beds for patients. We've got parents of sick children with cancer bringing their children to hospital today, being sent away because they can't give them a bed for their chemotherapy. We have elderly people on hospital beds again. Um, and here we go, repeating the same story year after year after year, election after election with the same old promises. But what are, what is he going to do differently? What actually is he going to do to resolve this? You know, like he could say, oh, we'll, we'll give you a few more beds. We plan on doing this in the next two, three years. But if the cervical check debacle has proven anything, is that the system isn't fit for purpose. Does he have any intentions of reforming our healthcare system, for one, starting from the top down? So the biggest question for me is, what is he planning on doing differently? You can touch on homelessness, and what I, we mentioned Katrina Toomey earlier. She's cooking 2,000 meals a day for sick people, or for homeless people. And I'm sure she's a great cook, but they're all not going there for her great cooking. They're going there because they're starving. So what is he going to do with the homeless? He'll turn around and say, oh, we're building so many houses, extra houses. But what does that do in the people on the street that when we walk down there on Patrick Street, we're stepping over? What are they doing for them today? What's he going to do differently about that? You're talking about crime for the last hour. Um, do you know, we we're seeing an increase in crime. What's he going to do differently there? His response is naturally going to be, oh, we'll, we'll get extra guards. But when, how many, and is it enough are the main questions there. So, yeah, 
what is he going to do differently? That's the biggest question. And actually, make sure he gives you a proper answer and ask him when does he plan on doing it. Would you it. like to sit there and actually... T- I'm, I'm actually free, PJ, so I'll, I'll certainly come back. But unfortunately, I don't think the Taoiseach will take your call if he knows I'm sitting here. Stephen, <laughs> listen, many, many congratulations for, like you said, an accolade that you never wanted to receive, but you have wanted to be in a position to receive. But you're there, you've got it, and for our hearty congratulations. Thanks so much, PJ. Before I go, can I just say just one thing, just, just to thank you and Deirdre and everybody in 96 FM who's obviously been very supportive throughout since the beginning. I know every time I come in here I don't have the easiest topic to talk about. You're a father, dear, just a mother and I know it can be difficult to hear the stories about my life but you know you've been very respectful throughout so just want to say just thank you to everybody here as well. And, and many congratulations and thank you so much for those kind words. Stephen Deep, Cork Person of the Year 1857-15996 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With the solid fuel depot of Drew's filling station Turner's Cross. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood and gas. Solidfueldepot.ie Question number 10. Where is the world's oldest yacht club? Uh, Cork. Cross That's where you're from, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's where KC lives. And did we go yachting down there before? We did indeed. We did, and when we went down there, they said to us that this is the world's oldest yachting club. You yeah! just want to do Outstanding, Pat. Outstanding. Nice one, lads. Really appreciate it. You've just won €2,000 for 60 seconds work. Handbrake turns back home to West Cork. Thanks, lads. Another winner. There you go. 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 The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. Gold. Imro award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's. 96 FM. A lot of uh, very, very positive responses to Stephen Teep. Jennifer says, definitely listen to him. He's such an inspiration to us all. Well done with the award. Keep up the great work. Tom says, Stephen Teep is as much a victim of crime as the man who had his head bashed in in Blackpool the other night. But in this case, the criminals are known. And every time he comes on, people always... Uh, message in to say Stephen has a great radio voice and they could listen to him all day. <laughs> it is true. 1850-715-996 but the well wishes pouring in for Stephen Tape, Cork Person of the Year 2020. Now, we are aware of an incident. Uh, we're finding out more as we as quick as we can. An incident in Mayfield last night. Reports of a gang breaking into a house armed with knives and a very distressing element of it that a man was set on fire. We're trying to find out more at the moment. If anybody has any information, they can let us know at 1850-715-996. Of course, in complete confidence. That's a very distressing, very frightening incident in Mayfield last night. Gang breaking into a house with knives and a man set on fire. As I say, if we hear any more, we'll bring... Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark it to you. 1850-715-996. Claire, are you there? Good morning to you. Hi, good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. I want you to tell me about your your little boy and what you go through day to day. What's his name? So Teddy. His name is Teddy. Okay. And he's four. Teddy is four, yeah. Okay. So um, when, yeah. when Teddy was born, Teddy was... Um, born with a congenital heart defect and also he was found to have an intellectual disability and autism as well. Um, So at the moment we are like many others struggling with the services that are available for our children which are incredibly limited. So Teddy is non-verbal and limited communication and requires a a lot of input um, and we just are not getting the services that he needs. Mm. Teddy was diagnosed with an ID when he was very young. We were lucky enough that we were in the system early enough. Mm. For, um, for people who wouldn't be familiar, an ID is an intellectual disability. Intellectual disability, yeah. So he was diagnosed with that early enough. Um, we went through the usual... Um, road of you know the um early intervention applying for that applying for assessment and needs i'm sure this means nothing to a lot of your listeners but for anyone who's been through the process Mm. they'll know that this is very very tedious it's a lot of phone calls a lot of waiting a lot of pushing a lot of fighting and he was then diagnosed with autism um in november 2018 so he'd have been what two and he did not receive any services. And when I mean services, I mean... So when he was diagnosed, his report stated that he was high priority mm. because he was so limited with his communication. He was so delayed. Um, Does that he have he was any high words priori- at all, Claire? No, no, absolutely nothing, no. Um, so we, we struggle a lot with communicating with him and just knowing his needs. At that point, when he was first like um, diagnosed, we used to feed him on a schedule because he didn't even show when he was hungry or when he was thirsty or anything like that. Oh so like we were really, really struggling with caring for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he... So he was diagnosed in November 2018 and it wasn't until November 2019 that we actually got any services from um, the COPE ASD team. So what so have that you got was, now? That was a year. We have, at the moment, we have nothing. We got six weeks 
six sessions of occupational therapy. And that was it. He's now back to the bottom of the queue again for OT. So it will be another 15 to 18 months Friday. before he receives anything. Um, he's he's top coming priority. up to school going age now. Any idea Which where is, he'll go? No, this is absolutely the most terrifying thing for us is that he currently has no... He's going to a preschool, but there was we could not get him into a special preschool. So he actually attends a mainstream preschool, but he does have an Ames worker. What's that? Which is that's basically somebody that is that goes in and they they're one on one with him. Okay. So it's the is it like mainstream. is it like an SNA? Like an SNA, okay. yeah, that's it exactly. So basically, the preschool is funded to have this one person go in with Teddy and support him one to one. However, he's only able to go three days then because of this. Right. And and who, who supplies that then? The school? So the school apply for it, but it's, it's government funded, the Ames worker. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But, um, yeah. So that's, so we don't have a, a preschool for him, but we have the mainstream preschool, which are incredibly good to us, I have to say. They are very, very good and they're very kind to Teddy and they're very um, accommodating with them. But in regards to his schooling, his primary school, which he's coming up to the age of primary school now because, you know, you only get two ECC years. So we're using them up now. So he's coming to primary school age, which means we have only two schools in all of Cork that he can attend, that can accommodate his needs, which is very restrictive, as you can imagine. Um, Do you have his name down? Yeah, yeah, he's on the list. How long are the lists? So when we put his name, we put his name down the second that he had received his second diagnosis. So when he had his first diagnosis, we had more school options. But then when he received the second diagnosis, which means he has both an intellectual disability and autism, that restricted the schools down to only two. So the second we got the second diagnosis, we put his name down straight away into the schools, but they... They were very open with us and they said our waiting lists are years long. Years. Years. And we had put him down. Um, his, we said, obviously, put his name down anyway. Um, but they were like, it, they're years long. And one of the schools only does intake up until they're six. And once they go over six, they no longer take them in. So that means that if he reaches six before he gets a place, then that school is gone, which means we're only down to one school. Good Lord. In the whole so, city and county? In the whole city and county. I know, it's it's unbelievable because you hear so much about... I, I didn't realise this until we were in the predicament ourselves, but it's the ASD units mm. don't take children with more th- if they have more than a mild intellectual disability. Yeah, there are many, many units attached to primary schools. Uh, yeah before people start wondering why. There are many, you, and you're correct, you know, a lot of kids on the spectrum would have a mild intellectual disability. Yeah. With it. But Teddy is on the moderate scale or a severe scale. Yes, so yeah. They can't cope with Teddy in a regular no. unit. A regular unit no. can't cope with Teddy. No, no, it, would, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fair on him or them. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so they wouldn't be able to manage him. So there's very restricted schools that we can attend that we can send him to so mm. at the moment like they, the the only answer you're given is home tuition yeah so if true. there's no school for him 
home tuition. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's a home tutor who comes to your house. But that just means you're entitled to a home tutor. You have to find the person yourself. You have to source the person yourself. Mm. And, and they're not exactly hanging out of the trees. No, they're not. And actually, anyone can be a home tutor, anyone who's registered with the teaching board. So you could have people advertising for home tutors who are secondary school PE teachers who have no additional needs um, training or any qualifications in early childhood education or anything like that. So as well as finding a home tutor, you have to find somebody who's actually competent in what you're looking for. So people trained in pecs or trained in love or... Yeah. These are all ways of communicating with kids uh, like like Teddy. Yeah. The reason you came forward to us, I think, is that you want to make the case of Teddy and other little kids like Teddy, because they're out there, lots of them. Oh, you yeah. You want to make it a bigger election issue than you think it will be. Yeah, it's just like... I, it's on, not until you're in it that you actually realise how underfunded and understaffed and how limited our services for kids with additional needs are. I mean, even for, like, even the COPE ASD team in Bridgeway, mm. at the moment, they have, I, I, I don't know, is it like over 1,300, 1,200 children that they're trying to manage to give um, services to? That's why kids like my Teddy, who is in need of, like, he needs OT weekly, yeah. not six weeks every year and a half. Yeah. Like, that's of little... I mean, it's called early intervention. For there to be an intervention, you actually have to provide a service. Yeah. The fact his name is on a list isn't really doing anything for my child's progression or development. Mm -hmm. So really, like, he, these kids are not getting the care they need. They're just simply not getting it. And even... I went to speak to the services, the COPE services coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. And the HSE only deems this lady's post for two and a half days. She only works two and a half days. And not because she doesn't want to work, but because that's what the HSE have deemed that this post is equivalent to. Now, this lady has to org coordinate services for all of these children, and that goes across OT, speech and language, physio, um, psychology. Yeah. So that just shows the level of thought or respect for our children. Yeah, Claire, you must lie awake, and and I know. And the reason the reason I am going to say what I'm going to say next is I remember that we did at times. You must yeah. lie awake worrying. Yeah, we do. We do. We really do because we try our best to do what we can. So, I mean, I, I am in, in, in a position where we can afford to, but we pay for private speech and language, private um, occupational therapy. He goes to hippotherapy, you know, horse therapy. Yes. Um, and we sent him to these weekly. And he is where he is now because we do that weekly. I just can't even imagine how far behind my child would be if he was depending on only what the HSE were giving him. Yeah. All right, Claire. Um, listen, thank you so much for telling us about Teddy. Um, and I hope that someone's listening and will do something. And again, we we will put your... If, if as a, the Taoiseach will be a guest on this programme between 11.30 and 12, if you had a minute to ask him a question, a direct question, what would it be?
I would ask him, <laughs> what is he going to do? Anyone who comes to my door looking for a vote, my vote is up for anyone who is willing to tell me what actual action, policy or plan they have in place to fund services for kids with additional needs. Not like everyone is full of talk and they'll all agree with you when they knock on the door. But what actual action are they going to take to fund and expand these services because they're on their knees at the moment and there's thousands at this point of children waiting on services that they're just not getting. Maria has just come forward uh, on the line to say my son's also on a list for the speech and language unit in a certain primary school. It's very doubtful he'll receive a place as there are presently only three places available and like waiting lists are just so so long. Listen Claire, thanks very much. Our best to you and to Teddy and to the whole family. Thanks for joining us on the opinion line. 1850-715-996. Able to add more to that report that we had uh, just before I went to Claire. Fiona is on her way uh, to Mayfield as we speak but what we've been able to, this is very distressing. This is very distressing. A man was doused with petrol and set alight Gardaí are investigating after three armed men forced into a house in the Lotamore area around 4am armed with knives and iron bars. They're believed to have dragged a young man from his bed and beat him before dousing him with petrol and setting him alight. The men fled from the scene on the Boy Road in two cars as the man's family tried desperately to douse the flames. The emergency services responded quickly. Two units from the Ballyvalan fire station went to the scene. The man was rushed to COH with severe burns. He was given emergency treatment, but it believed to be in a critical condition with extensive burns to his body. He was dragged out of bed, beaten with iron bars, and set alight after being doused with petrol. Safe country, Taoiseach? Come on. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Great deals on all solid fuels with seven-day delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with your update on Cork's live scene. The village of Bally to Hob in West Cork will host an amazing world-class lineup of bluegrass musicians in various venues this Friday 24th to Sunday 26. Heart at Home Festival will be made up of two events, the Showdown Concert at Ballydahab Hall and the Hoedown Music Trail in various village venues. Check out more information at leviscornerhouse.com. Paul Marsh followed up a truly impressive start to his stand-up career by going on to support some of the biggest names in Irish comedy. You have two chances to catch him this Friday and Saturday night at City Limits Comedy Club when he plays with special guests. Access all areas. If you have a gig show or exhibition coming up in Cork in the next few weeks, drop us a line here at Access All Areas. You can mail us on AAA at 96FM.ie and we'll tell Cork all about it. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696 96 96 96. on Cork's 96 FM. We are, uh, as I anticipated, we might be inundated with your suggestions for questions to put to the Taoiseach who will join us on the opinion line between 11.30 and midday. If you'd like to ask a question or make a point, 
Uh, you can text to WhatsApp now 083 396 96 96 or indeed you can email opinion at 96fm.ie. Fiona has made her way to Lotamore in Mayfield uh, for more on this very distressing incident. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, PJ. This, this broke a little while ago. News we're covering it earlier on. Um, what can you tell us now? Yes, Peter, this is an incident that happened here at the Dunard Estate in Lota, in uh, Mayfield, Lotabeg in Mayfield. Um, a house here, um, we understand at the minute that three men armed with machetes and iron bars broke in here at around four o'clock this morning. Um, and when they got inside, they doused one of the occupants, uh, a father of three, with uh, petrol and set him alight. Now, he is currently being treated for what have been described as life-changing injuries in Cork University. University Hospital. The scene has been um, sealed off here by Gardaí. Um, forensics have arrived here on the scene and they're currently taking photographs at the house and um, they're speaking to officers here at the scene as well who've just arrived in the last few minutes. Um, the, uh, there's a car parked in the driveway and there's windows smashed in there and there is some fire damage done to the house but I think the main damage was caused to the man himself. Um, now fire... Um, Cork City Fire Brigade did arrive here at the scene last night and they used breathing apparatus to get inside and and take the man out. Uh, what age is the, 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 the victim in this attack? We believe that he is a 23-year-old man. Um, and I was just passing you on there. I don't know, did you get my report there? I don't know where I lost you, PJ, but... Um, one of the neighbours here, a man called Seamus Kelly, um, is willing to talk to you here. Will I pass him on to you? Yes, please. Yes, please. Hello? We know, we know yeah. Seamus well. Okay. PJ. Seamus, how are you? Do you know this man? How are you doing? How are you doing, my friend? Not too bad. Not too bad. Good to talk to you. Do you know this misfortunate man? I do. He's a great friend of ours. Um, he's living in my norm 20 years. Um, he's a decent sort of fella. He, he's like the rest of us. He's part of my organisation and... I, I'm in shock here. I really am. I've, this is the first time I've ever been knocked off my feet. Yeah. And did you find out about not, it, Seamus? Um, my wife woke me about four o'clock this morning and she was looking down. She held the um, sirens and she saw the guards and I'm shivering here now in shock. Um, she saw the guards and she woke me up and I was looking down. So I went back into bed and I got out this morning. I was told them what happened. Yeah. I was more worried about Kate and the kids more than anything, but I've just been told now that um, the kids weren't there at all. Yeah. Now, for this to happen in our neighbourhood, well, I can't believe it. Of all the things I've been through my life and I've suffered, I've, this is this is after knocking me. I'm worried now for all the people up here. Yeah. If it can happen here, it can happen anywhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. And from what we're hearing, three men just barged into the house, dragged him out of his bed and did this to him. Yeah. Was there what kind of old world are we living in? I, I, I was told that the kids were there, and then I was told that the kids were, were not there at all to say it, but there was, there was a lady friend, I think, in there. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Without, no, without, but, without naming him, tell me a little bit about him. Um, I've known him for 20 years. Um, he, he comes out there and, like, he does everything a normal father and partner could be he, we all have the same problems he he loves his kids he lives for his kids mm. he goes out and in and out minds his own business but you don't know what's going on behind doors no you don't you know 
I, he sat in my house, had a cup of tea. I sat in his house, had a cup of tea. He's good, you know. Have you been able to find out anything about how he is? We know from the, officially that he's. I've been told that injuries. he's. Yes, and I've been told that he's in a, an in trans coma. In a juice coma, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay, Seamus. Listen, I'm sorry to hear you. No, if I hear PJ, uh, I, I, PJ, I went through a lot, and you know, I went through a lot, and everything, and this is the worst thing I've ever witnessed. Well, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Right. Okay. Like, you hear of it in other people's neighbourhoods and the knife crime, but you don't really, it doesn't hit home until you, it happens in your own doors, you know? I'm, I, I'm shocked. I can't believe it. Okay. All right. Put me back on there to Fiona, Seamus, and thank you very much. Listen, if I hear anything else, I get back I on to you. I very right? much appreciate that so much. Yeah, put me back on to Fiona. All right, we'll, we'll talk. Thank you, Seamus. That's uh, Seamus Kelly, who's a neighbour uh, who knows the man who was attacked during the night. So, Fiona, the guards are still there. Obviously, heavy guard, the presence there for, for quite some time yet, I would imagine. Just to go through what we already know. Uh, is that he was his house was broken into at uh, four o'clock in the morning uh, load of big uh, three men armed with knives and iron bars they dragged him from his bed beat him, doused him in petrol and set him on fire uh, they fled the scene in two cars as his family tried desperately to douse the flames, family and friends emergency resp- uh, services responded two units from the Ballyvalan fire station and rushed to CUH with severe burns. We just hear there now from his neighbour and friend, Seamus Kelly, that he is in an induced coma, critical condition with extensive burns. We have the Taoiseach joining us on the opinion line for inner about a half an hour between half 11 and 12 today. I guess, look, it's part of his election interviews. Just some of the questions that have been coming in. Remember, we are taking your questions. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. You can email opinion at 96fm.ie. That's also tell me the lines are jammed with people wanting to ask questions. On this, excuse me, lads, for one second. I thought I was going to sneeze there. I may well, yes. On the subject of Dara Murphy, Patrick on WhatsApp wants to know, when did the Taoiseach become aware of Dara Murphy working abroad in a different role and why did he not take action when he was aware of it? Was he just being kept around for a useful vote? On crime, Finn wants to know, will there be an overhaul of the judicial system to act as a strong deterrent to youth, not to head down the road of crime? For on the Gardaí, a question, where, what is the 20-year plan for Angarda Shikona towards 2040? What are the projected numbers for boots on the street? The projected crime rate, based on current statistics, is that it'll spiral out of control. Like, look at the last week. Take that into consideration. More importantly, based on projected growth rates in population for Cork City and County, what can citizens expect regarding their security? That's from Vivian. On education and particularly special needs, Ashling via WhatsApp, I'm a mother of a child with severe additional needs. The worry is constant. It never goes away. I'd love the Taoiseach to do just one day in my shoes. He would know then what hard work is. More money needs to be put into services to help these children. They don't deserve to be forgotten about. It's a disgrace. And in East Cork, Eileen asks... What he proposes to do about the lack of secondary school places in East Cork. And we've heard on the show a number of times recently how crucial and critical an issue that is. 
Again from East Cork, I have two questions. What are the plans for another secondary school in East Cork? Some children have no places for this coming year. Uh, will he support also pay restoration for the armed forces? Those from Helen Heafy Grange in Yall. Uh, on housing, what is it? What is actually there for a homeless person in a doorway? At best, a bed in a hostel full of people on drugs who'll steal their stuff. What's that person to do? And stop giving the generic answers. Will, will this guy ever get an apartment like they do in Finland? You're referring to a scheme that operates quite successfully in Finland where they get the person into an apartment ASAP and then they work on the various problems that led them to being on the street in the first place. I think they call it housing first or whatever the, the Finnish translation of that is. I think one of the parties here wanted to bring that in over the last couple of months. On general inequality, uh, questions for, for the Taoiseach, uh, questions for the Taoiseach on the pensions. Finbar wants me to ask him why he hates poor people uh, and doesn't have much interest in people who make under 80,000. Well, I'd be more interested in asking him about the supposed average wage of 44,000 because Kevin was suggesting earlier on the Twitter, that we would uh, run a survey of just our average listeners and and ask them what their salary bracket is. Because according to Senator Colin Bork, who of course is a candidate in Cork North Central, uh, the average wage is now 44,000. I'd put it to Senator Bork that take everything into account, the average wage is far more like 24,000. And while we're at it, we've had candidates from North Central and South Central on. So I will read out the list now, just to be fair to all of those. We spoke to uh, Senator Colin Bourke of Fine Gael for Cork North Central and also to uh, Councillor Thomas Gould of Sinn Féin. So also in the in the running up there, as it were, our Deputy Padraig O'Sullivan, Councillor Tony Fitzgerald and Sandra Murphy of Fianna Fáil, Deputy Mick Barry of Solidarity, Independent Councillor Ken O'Flynn, Labour Councillor John Maher, uh, Green Party Councillor Oliver Moran, James Collin of the Workers' Party, Lorraine O'Neill of Fingale, who's uh, Colin Burke's running mate, Sinead Halpin of the Social Democrats, TJ Hogan, Independent, Martin Condon, Independent, and Finian Toomey of AIM2. We also spoke to Councillor Paddy Deneen, who's in Cork South Centre as an independent, running there, Michal Martin and Michael McGrath of Fianna Fáil, Dulach O'Leara of Sinn Féin, Dathonish to Simon Coveney and Senator Jerry Buttermer of Fine Gael, Councillor Lorna, Bro, Lorna Bogue of the Greens, Bobby Murray Walsh of uh, People Before Profit, Kira Kennedy of Labour, Patricia O'Dwyer of the Social Democrats and Anna Daly of Int. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996, text 083-396-9696 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Coming up this hour, coming up this hour, the Taoiseach will be live on the Opinion Line. We're still taking your questions, still taking your questions on that. Uh, 083-396-9696 on text or WhatsApp or indeed you can email opinion at 96fm.ie with your questions for the Taoiseach, uh, Leah Varadkar. Just some comments that have been coming in during the morning with regard to general things. Just violence on our streets, for example, and how the city has changed 
Bernard says, I was in a pub Saturday night. I stood on a lad's toe by accident, turned round and apologised. He was grand. He accepted the apology. When I was leaving the pub around midnight, he was standing outside the door with two other guys. They each had a bottle and went to attack me. Wow. Then they says the government would stop 95% of these problems if they just banned alcohol. Hospitals are full of alcohol problems over the weekend. Okay. 1850-715-996. On what Michael Gearan has been saying about the level of cocaine in our society, and we'll be putting that as some, some of that to the Taoiseach uh, when, he, when he joins us. Uh, Kevin says, come on, hands up here. Who's surprised by what Michael is saying? Where have you all been? Where have you all had your heads buried in the sand? Finn was on his way to work Friday morning, uh, down by the Gardaí tape, the cordoned off tape. Two lads were complaining because they couldn't get down to the pub on the corner. And the Garda on the cordon was subjected to some choice language. The sense of shock, though, among the real people of Barrack Street and Bandon Road is palpable. But people now take this kind of violence as the norm. That's the frightening bit. It's the norm. 1850-715-996. So Caroline Cronin is in Donnerale. And uh, there's been a GoFundMe running in in Donnerale for your friend Olivia Caroline. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Good. Now, this has been a very successful GoFundMe, to say the very, very least. Today it has, yes. Yeah, but tell me about your friend and her house. It looks terrible from the photographs. Oh, it's awful. It's completely gutted. Um, so basically, she got home on um, last Tuesday evening. She got a phone call from her friend to say that her alarm was going off in the house. Mm-hmm. And she thought it maybe was her prepaid electricity alarm. But then she said that her daughter thought it was the smoke alarm. So Olivia said she better go home and check. Yeah. And she said that when she pulled up, she could see that the kitchen window was black. And then she thought, the first thought she had was that she had left the bucket beside the, the range, the empty coal bucket, and it had melted. Right. But she said then she opened the door and just a whoosh of flames came out over her. But wow. thankfully, God love her, she's not very tall. <laughs> but if she was taller, she would have been seriously burnt. And right. um, it just whooshed out over the top of her head. Wow. Uh, it's a, yeah, it was a very serious fire. Her kitchen is completely gone. It was ruined by fire. Um when she was looking in, she could see the fire travelling up the stairs. And then she tried to get her keys off the door because her car is parked on the street beside the house. Nice. Um, and people were shouting at her to get away from it. And literally three or four different men rocked her car away from the house. And just as they finished rocking it to safety, the bottom windows blew out. Yeah, oh, pretty serious. She has two kids, is it? A five-year-old and a 12-year-old? She has, living with her, yeah. Yeah, she has a 23-year-old daughter as well that's pregnant, but she doesn't live with them. Okay, and that the house is gutted, I suppose. Pr- it is, much. yeah. Um, what isn't ruined by fire has been ruined by the water, and what isn't ruined by the water upstairs is completely ruined by smoke. Yeah, yeah. It's black. It just it looks like something from a movie. <laughs> yeah. So you set up a GoFundMe almost straight away. I did, yeah. I, well, after she messaged me, I was like, what can I do? Uh, and then I thought, I've seen GoFundMe pages on my Facebook page, and I was like, God, maybe I can do this. So I looked into it that night, and I spoke to her daughter the following morning, and I said, look, I said, I want to do something. I said, do you mind if I do this? Yes. And she said, no. She said, please. She said, feel free. And yeah, almost immediately, funds started coming in from her friends, her family, even work colleagues here. 
um, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Does but she she's literally got insurance? nothing, so she needs oh. everything. Does she have insurance? As far as I know, she doesn't. Oh, God. Oh, no. God. No. Uh, it was a council house, and I don't think she got continence insurance. So she literally has been left with nothing. 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 Yeah. It's where, tough. where are they staying so, now? Um, the council have given her temporary accommodation, so she, they've given her a temporary house. Uh, right. She went over last night to see the house with her, right. um, and it's it's just empty. <laughs> it's lovely. It's a lovely, it's a newer house. Um, yeah. It looks lovely, but it's empty. She's got nothing to put into it, like, because all her no. stuff has gone no, up in this fire. No, she's getting little donations from people, you know. But the bigger things, no, definitely not. I went into the bedrooms and God love her. Her little daughter lost all of her toys, but people are donating toys to her. Yeah. So all the little donated toys are sitting up there and there's no bed, there's no dressers, there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, just a few little toys. Tell me a bit about her. You've been friends for a while. Yeah, over nine years. Yeah, we worked together. Um, I met her through work. Um, and we've been together. Yeah, I go down there every morning for my break to see her. Right. We have a little chat gossip <laughs> you know how it is <laughs> I, do. I do i do and so, yeah it's just absolutely devastating for them she what? is an emotional wreck as you can imagine yeah i can i can um and she tries to go into the house you know to see if there's anything she can salvage and everything she goes in and tries to take out has to go into the skip yeah, yeah. because smoke smoke like you said smoke and water and all of that it's just you, you can't you'll, ne- you'll never get that smell of smoke off of anything no no, and they've tried washing the children's clothes, but yeah. You can wash no. them a dozen times. Yeah, unfortunately. And they, they thought times. they had saved the PlayStation 4 they got him for Christmas, but no, it's water damaged, oh, unfortunately. No. Yeah, yeah, because with regard to clothes, and I know a friend of ours many years ago, a friend of ours, a, a former neighbour, had a, a house fire, and we just took a couple of black bags of clothes to see could we wash and clean them. Yeah. And you might as well be still washing them. There's just no Absolutely, point. yeah. There's no and point. I, I, mean, I didn't go into the house, but, you know, they were in there and I could see them. And every time someone comes out of the house, they're covered in soot and you can smell the smoke. Yes. Yeah. It's completely devastating for them. I And, you know, you think it's not going to happen to you. Yeah. And it's crazy. Just hearing the stories, I'm like, oh, my God. I feel so bad for her. You, you Especially two little children and so close to after Christmas yeah. and Santa's been and oh, it's horrible. In in your note on the GoFundMe, you said that you appreciated that January is a, is a very difficult month for people. It is, yeah. It's like it's yes, one of the longest months after Christmas, and well, I was like, got, got I felt so bad, days, and I thought it? anything at all, you know, one euro, five euro, anything at all. Yeah. How much does help. the how much does the GoFundMe stand? at right now. In fact, hold on. I'll click it live here. It's probably easier for me I to do it. I think it was 10,419 this it's morning. It's 10,419 is there now, yeah. Yeah. 10,419. Which is absolutely brilliant and it's she can't believe it and I can't believe it how quickly it's gone up. Yeah. People have absolutely been amazing. Okay. Well, look, if anybody else can help, um, it's it's uh, Donnerail Fire. It's the, If you look for uh, Donnerail Fire, our friend in need it's actually, if you go to GoFundMe.ie and go under the emergency section, yeah, yeah. it's a friend of need there and it's actually on top fundraisers as well. Very it's good. It's up there at the moment. Okay. Well, if anybody else wants to help with that uh, and it's going to run for another little while, I think, the GoFundMe. Uh, she's actually in Kilmallock, PJ. Sorry. it's um, She's got family living over in Donnerell that put it on a page for her over there as well. I got you. Okay. So it actually happens. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. No, no, it's, it's it's our pleasure. And please convey our, our best wishes to herself and her family. And I hope that they, they get over this tough time 
I will, of course. Thank you so much. Take care. Caroline Cronin, thank you. 1850-715-996. About 10,400 on that. More questions coming in for uh, the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, for example. Why raise the pension age? That's after turning into a big issue for the government heading into the election. And I think anybody who's got, you know, a mother or a father around retirement age will know that it's like, if you, why should they put it up to 67? Because if they get away with that, they'll put it up to 68. They're giving you some actuarial actuarial nonsense about people living longer and all of that old BS. But by the time you've been, by the time you're 65 or 66, you've been working for 40 years, paying tax for 40 years, surely you should be entitled to cash it in then. 1850-715-996. As I say, Taoiseach uh, joining me around half 11 uh, for a, a conversation on the opinion line. Going to change the mood a little bit now. Um, do you need as much sleep as you think you do? Do you really need those eight hours a night? Maybe you don't. No. And maybe that cup of coffee that you don't bother having before you go to bed because you think it'll keep you awake. Well, maybe it won't. And, you know, do you need more sleep now that you're a little bit older or less? A man called Dr. Neil Stanley has been busting a few myths on sleep. And I've been speaking to him about it. We'll hear that next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Smokers coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late, seven days. Solidfueldepot.ie. So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must-have app. So you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app today. And listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and get all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, speaker. ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker and radio. Turn up the volume. We are Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Dr. Stanley, thank you very much for, for taking our call. I'm interested looking at the list of what would be now classed as sleep myths. The first one being, and I have to say, I'd agree with this one entirely. Everybody needs eight hours of sleep every night. I can't think of the last time I got eight hours of unbroken sleep, particularly on a work night. Absolutely. I mean, this this is one of the most uh, prevalent myths that we have. And it's causing more problems than it's solving because, of course, people use it as an ideal. I must get eight hours sleep. And if I don't, somehow I failed. But it's not true. Sleep need is a bit like height. We're all different, and it's to a very large degree genetically determined. So just as you have short people and tall people, you have short sleepers and long sleepers. So some people can get away with having four uh, four hours a night sleep and feel absolutely fine the next day. Others need 10, 11 hours sleep to feel at their best the next day. So very simply, the amount of sleep you need is the amount that allows you to feel awake during the day. If you feel awake during the day, you've had enough sleep doesn't matter how many hours that was, 
it was sufficient for you. If you feel sleepy during the day, of course, you probably do need to get some more sleep. Now, there's a kind of a follow-on from that. I'm the kind of guy who gets in from work in the afternoon, maybe half three, four o'clock. I love a 40-minute nap on the couch if I can get one. Does that mean that I need more sleep at night, or is that just part of how my body works? Well, sleep is good. I mean, just in general, sleep is good, and getting sleep is always a good thing. Um, having a nap in the afternoon, we have the post-lunch dip around 2 to 4 o'clock in the afternoon when we have a natural dip in our, our, our arousal, our awareness. And so having a nap at that time, a short nap like you've done so, um, is, is going to be perfectly normal. Sleeping more than that, if you were to have a sort of a two-hour nap at that time, then, of course, you're going to be using up some of your sleep need and therefore you'll probably sleep less at night. So it's not necessarily a, a, an indication that you're not sleeping well or not having sufficient sleep. It may be you've got the opportunity to have a nap, so why not? Yeah. Younger people and older people are also addressed in this. Um, first of all, it's been established now that teenagers need more sleep than, than adults, but older people need less that's not true. Can we go through the two right. of those in order? Okay, well, teenagers need more sleep because sleep is about um, growth and learning and memory and dealing with emotions. And, of course, teenagers are going through puberty. So teenagers need more sleep than adults. Uh, the average teenager needs approximately nine to nine and a half hours sleep per night. And, unfortunately, on a school night, most teenagers are missing two and a half hours of sleep they need, which is, of course, causing problems. But once you get through your teenage years into your early 20s, your sleep need becomes fixed for life. So old people don't need less sleep. They just find it increasingly difficult to get the sleep they need because what happens as we get older is we lose the deep restorative sleep. Um, and this means that one sleep is less refreshing. So an 80-year-old will sleep through the night but wake up and think, what was the point of that? Yeah. But also this deep sleep is the stuff that keeps us asleep and wants to put us back to sleep when we wake up. And so as we get older, there are more things to wake us up, pain, needing to go to the bathroom, snoring partner. And once we wake up, there's very little pressure for us to go back to sleep. So when you're 20, you wake up, you have a pee, you get back into bed, you fall straight back to sleep and it's not a problem. When you get into your 50s or so, you wake up, you have a pee, you get back into bed, and you're lying there for the next hour and a half, not being able to go back to sleep. So that's the problem. We need the same amount of sleep as we get older. We just find it very difficult to get that sleep. One that's particularly interesting, I, I have a personal practice, Neil. I don't drink coffee after 6 o'clock in the evening because I believe it'll affect my sleep. You say that's not true. Well, we all have a very different tolerance to caffeine um some people you know one cup at midday will be enough to mess up their sleep at night other people have drunk two strong black cups of coffee every night for the last 40 years and have no problem with sleeping so it's it's working out what's right for you there's no you know line in the sand that you can't cross so six o'clock might be the right time for you but it might be seven o'clock it might be eight o'clock yeah. it might be two o'clock uh, in the afternoon it's, you know you need to work out what's right for you and and the thing is coffee isn't a very good uh, delivery system for caffeine you don't actually know how much caffeine you're getting mm. uh, in any one cup of coffee so 
you know, there's no... So just try. You know, people should experiment. When is the last time they can have a cup of coffee and they knowingly affect their sleep? But, of course, you know, we do so many other things that could affect our sleep, it might not be the caffeine. So yeah. if you've been drinking, you know, an espresso after dinner every night, and you have no problem sleeping, then there's no reason to give up having a cup of coffee. The things we do before we go to sleep that do affect us, I'm interested particularly in number 10 on the list. This is the modern world, the world of the screen, the world of the smartphone. People have been saying to us for a while now, maybe that's not doing you any good, having it on the bedside locker or looking at the news on your phone before you go to bed is not good for you. Why? Well, essentially, there's two reasons for this. One is historical, goes back, you know, way before we had smartphones and tablets in our bedrooms, which is basically, if you've just watched something scary on telly, then you're going to find it difficult to go to sleep. Um, it's about cognitive arousal. In order to get to sleep, you have to have a quiet mind. And so if you're, you know, chatting to your friends on social media or just watch The Exorcist on TV or sending the last business email of the night at 11 o'clock, you're not, you haven't got a quiet mind. So it would be difficult to conceive that you'd be getting to sleep. But the thing about smartphones and tablets now is that we can take these into the bedroom. And so we are looking at them uh, before bed. And there is this idea that the blue light from the screen, uh, blue light is the light that tells your brain that it's daytime. So yeah. uh, I know it's probably not sunny where you are. I'm waiting for the sun to come out here. Um, but, you know, blue light on a nice day is what says to your brain, right, it's time to be awake. Now, the same light comes from your screen. So all the time you're looking at a screen, you're basically being told it's daytime, it's being awake time, not go to sleep time. So that's the problem with screens. And we also found that stripping blue light out of your screen by using one of these, you know, uh, apps on your phone, or whatever, actually makes no difference because you've actually switched the brightness up because it all goes quite muddy. So you switch the brightness up and bright light is just as bad for your sleep as the blue light. So the, the science says you should avoid uh, screens for two hours before bed. Uh, I'm a realist. Nobody's ever going to do that in this day and age. But <laughs> yeah. try to do it for 20 to 40 minutes before you go to bed. Okay. Finally, and it's not on the list, but I guess a lot of listeners will, will be going over this one in their mind while I'm talking to you. There's probably none of us uh, that doesn't at some point experience a couple of nights of bad sleep in a row. Um, maybe a, a, a bout of mild insomnia that'll last two or three nights. You're lying there at 4 a.m. going, why can't I sleep? The alarm's going to go off in three hours. Why can't I sleep? And then it all works itself out. But at what point should we get worried about insomnia? Okay, I mean, that, that's a very good question. Um the thing to do is not worry about the, the short-term insomnias. The Americans have got a wonderful phrase in this regard, if not tonight, then tomorrow night. So if you have a bad night's sleep tonight, then don't worry about it. Because if you worry about it and you try the next night to get a good night's sleep, then it's not going to happen. And you, you're going to, again, be perpetuating. So, you, so don't worry about it. Two or three nights, not a problem, as you say, it'll all work out in the end and everything's fine, it's perfectly natural. If you are not sleeping most nights of the week for about a month 
and that is affecting the way that you are during the day. So you find it difficult to stay asleep. You're not as sharp or focused as you usually are. That's the time to be going to your doctor. Mm-hmm. Anything less than a month you know, could be stress or anxiety or you know something to do with moving house or your job or whatever. That's perfectly normal and it will resolve itself. But over a month, you know, you know, four nights a week, and it's affecting the way you are during the day. That time's going to your GP. All right, and thanks very much for your time this morning, Dr. Neil Stanley. Thank you very much. The Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kill dried wood and gas. Solidfueldepot.ie Corks 96 FM's Hit Mix online. Hi, I'm Demi. You can listen to the best hits non-stop playing the freshest and the sickest playlist all the time. Listen on our app or click 96FM.ie this is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Okay, let's go, let's go to the telephone and join the Taoiseach. Taoiseach, thank you for joining us on The Opinion Line. Good morning. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me on, on the show and uh, look forward to being in Cork tomorrow in person. Indeed, indeed. Teacher, when we heard you were coming on the air this morning, we put it out to our listeners what were the things that were really troubling them uh, in, in the course of this election campaign and what questions they would like to put to you. And, and they asked me to remind you again of the violent deaths we've had in Cork in the past six mm. months and the violent attacks we've had. Just in the early hours of this morning, a young man dragged from his bed, beaten with iron bars, doused in petrol, and set alight on the north side of our city. The death of Cameron Blair, the death of Frankie Dunn, Timmy Howrahan, James Duncan, Paul Jones, Santina Colley, all people whose deaths we have reported. We have drugs on our streets, we have violent crime. People are afraid to go out. In fact, Stephanie just told me this morning on on the air, she told me that she's now afraid to let her children out. Well, I mean, I'd be afraid to leave my children outside the door, you know. My older children, I'm always saying, if they're up in my place, I'll drive them home. I won't leave them go back home on their own. You know, I I wouldn't walk out in the street on my own even. Would you not? No. Tisha, what have you got to say to people like that? Well, first of all, just heard reports of that um, that attack um, in Cork there this morning, and uh, it's uh, it's very worrying. And I can understand why people are afraid, and would very much encourage anyone who has information to to give it to the Gardaí, because to get these people behind bar- bars, and that's what needs to happen. Uh, the Gardaí need information, and they need evidence, and would really encourage people to cooperate and help the Gardaí. Uh, just on the really really sad killing of Cameron Blair, um, I think the whole country's. Um, really uh, numbed about that and want to extend my condolences to his family, to uh, the students at CIT and, and Band and Grammar and uh, I think it's every per- every parent's worst nightmare for um, a night to end the way that did and uh, I certainly have my, my, my condolences. Um, you know, with the spate of violence that's happened, I can totally understand why people are worried, not just in Cork, but in other parts of the country you too. You said in, yesterday in you still think this, the, the country is safe. Uh, a lot of people in Cork this morning would not agree with you. Yeah, you know, and I appreciate that people have a different perspective. Um, you know, I suppose what I was 
um, pointing out there was was a fact, and it is a fact, um, not a statistic, an actual fact that uh, if you go back to 2007, 13 years ago, we had 70 or 80 murders a year in Ireland, uh, and actually last year was closer to half that. Um, so, you know, murders have actually gone substantially down in Ireland. I, I know it doesn't feel like that when, mm. when you hear about well, these awful... You know, murder, awful, murder awful is about the worst, which, but I mean... I wouldn't we, like to dismiss in any way or, or downplay, but no. at the same time, we shouldn't upplay the, the fear of crime but, because you know, that in itself can affect people's lives. There was a time when, when murder was about the, the, the one that would lead the news for a few days, but let me tell you what we did on this programme last year, Taoiseach. We, we decided to open our lines for a number of days for people's own experience, and we took them on the air here, and we heard about muggings at knife point, beatings, attacks, assaults, women robbed of handbags and purses as they shopped, all kinds of sexual crimes, drug dealing, open drug use, buses reuted because, rerouted because of thuggery, a bus driver threatened with rape by teenagers who refused to pay their fares, elderly people who simply won't go out. But then, no guards or a single-figure allocation and all of our guards going to Dublin or to Drogheda. And people are saying, is it going to take a Cian Mulready for Cork to get more guards and the attention we need? Um, well, first of all, that that isn't going to be the case. Uh, and it's not the case. Uh, the guard of strength in Cork at the moment is uh, 1,335. Um, and that's, you know, up up about 136 Gardaí, I think, since Templemore was closed. Do you remember the previous Unifal government uh, closed Templemore, stopped recruitment. Uh, we're the government that started recruitment all over again. And as a result of that, we have more guards every year and we're going to meet our target next year of having 20,000, sorry, 21,000 guardy and guard of staff. Uh, and it's important, in my view, that Cork gets its fair share of those. Uh, now, as you know, it's the guard commissioner that decides on resources. No matter what any politician may tell you or promise you, it's mm. not politicians to decide where a guard no, are. but politicians can always make representations to the commissioner. Yeah, and I've done that, actually, because uh, it is something that has been raised in the Dáil, uh, as you know, because uh, you covered it in your programme, and it's something that the Fine Gael reps uh, in Cork, uh, the Fine Gael TDs and Senators and candidates have raised with me, so I've very much um, expressed my, my view and passed that on to the Garda Commissioner. But, you know, we can only have more Garda in Cork if we have more Garda, uh, and we've made the commitment... Uh, that there'll be 700 extra guardy recruited every year. Um, yeah, but the 800 a year retiring Yeah, I, I know the, the, I, I, it's definitely, definitely an increase, <laughs> a net increase of guardy. We're not going to see guardy. Of course, they're guardy retiring and they're guardy being hired, but you know, it's an increase in guardy every year. And we're going to well, it's sure an increase, happens. but it, what would be more honest of, of the government would be if they tell us A, how many they're going to hire and B, how many are going to retire, subtract the two, because that's the real intake. Yeah, that's true. The, the real increase is the net increase, not the gross. It's, the gross it's not seven hundred. Like, it's nothing like seven hundred um, at the end of the but day. But it is. It is an increase, and but it's you not seven hundred. You'll admit that, won't you? Not. I, I do. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a gross figure, not a net figure. Uh, but I think you, you'll admit as well, and it would only be fair to do so um, that we have had an increase in Gardaí since Finnegall got got into office. It was Fianna Fáil that stopped recruitment. It's uh, Fianna Fáil government that reduced the number of Gardaí in Cork. We're the ones who are increasing it. And we're the ones who you can trust to continue to increase it because that's our track record. And also we're the people who can manage the economy well and make sure that we can afford uh, those extra guards. You you can't trust Fianna Fáil at that. We're we're 22, by the way, we're also 22 squad cars short. And we are told also in, in the last few days that we now have guards sharing squad cars. 
you know, waiting for someone to come back in a car before they can go out and answer a call. Like, that's daft. There was no well, car... You know, to, by the way, there was no car to send to Bandon Road when calls came in about young fellas in the streets. Hmm. Arid knives. Like, this is... A, we have a shortage. You can have all the guards you want, but if they haven't got vehicles to get to the scene with, T-shirt, hmm. we have a serious hole in them. Also, drugs... Our, our streets are awash with drugs. I spoke this morning to Michael Gearan uh, from Coonley. You may well uh, have heard of him. He's quoted on the front page of The Examiner, which I assume you may have read this morning, ab- about the, the, the level at which teenagers now getting involved with drugs and that cocaine is, is the drug of choice. Just a quick clip of the things that Michal was saying, or Michael was saying, rather, about Garda p- our, um, government policy over the last number of years. There's absolutely no doubt that the atrocities we have seen over the last number of weeks and months... Um, are all crime-related, and be, as a, by crime, I mean the distribution of illegal substances. Mm, and we, have, we virtually have had no response from government on this. No, no response from government on the distribution of illegal substances from one of the most knowledgeable people in the business. What would you say? Well, I, th- I think there has been a response. You know, part of it has been the increase in, uh, in guard resources, which we've talked about. And just to go back to your question about the police... Um, Fleet strength in Cork City is 133, and Cork North is 55, and Cork West is 58. But it's not enough. Um, I hear that. That's what people are saying to me, uh, and that's so why we're we get putting them? in record. Of, you will get more. Absolutely, we're putting in record level of investment in the Gardaí uh, this year. 1.9 billion euros. We have an armed support unit now in every region in the country that we didn't have before. Uh, we're opening up special victims units in. Uh, every division, um, because you know that relates to people who've uh, had a you know sexual offence committed against them. We know that the numbers of people reporting those is, is rising. So uh, we've done that too. We've also set up um, only in 2015 the Garda National uh, Drugs but, and Organised Crime Bureau. If all of this is uh, happening, if all of this is happening as you say it's happening, why are people lying afraid? in their beds. Why are they afraid to go out? I want you to to hear Seamus who, his friend his neighbour and his friend was broken into during the night, battered with iron bars, doused with petrol and set alight. Listen to this. I went through a lot, you know, I went through a lot and everything and this is the worst thing I've ever witnessed. Well, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Like you hear of it in other people's neighbourhoods and the knife crime, but you don't really, it doesn't hit home until you, it happens in your own doorstep, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm shocked, I can't believe it. Like, that's the kind of thing that people are living with. If they were grading your government for a report card on crime, T-shirt, you'd get an F. Uh, look, what we heard there is really, is really shocking, and I'm very sorry that that's, man had to go through that experience I think we all are um, and like I said earlier I think if anyone does have any evidence or any information about that uh, please give it to the Gardaí because we can get these people behind bars um, but we need evidence we need information and we need to support the Gardaí and I know the people of Cork do that and will continue to do that and we'll get these people up and behind bars okay. and help to make our streets safer again. Let me move on to, to health um, and, and the issue of health only a couple of weeks ago we had across our three hospitals in Cork, our three ones that are counted, 106 people on trolleys in one day. Last year, we had a code black, the first ever code black or situation black declared in Cork. We frequently have our main hospital in the top three 
the top three in the country for the numbers of people waiting on trolleys. And yet, we, you know, the government confidently tells us it's doing something about health. We can't be doing something about health if that's the situation. I, look, I, I want to acknowledge at the outset the very real problem that we have with uh, hospital overcrowding. Um, you'll know, I think it first first appeared in an election campaign back in 1989, so that'll give you an idea of how long we struggled to all parties to deal with this problem. But um, it's not something anybody wants any patient to have to go through. I, I, having worked in emergency departments, I've visited CUH emergency department. I know how difficult it is on the staff. Um, I know how terrible it is for patients and their family staff to experience uh, a wait to get a hospital bed. Um, but I don't think it would be fair to say that there isn't any progress being made because, you know, when you get into our health service uh, in Ireland, you get a very good service. That's true at CUH, yeah. one of the best hospitals in the yeah. country. And we know, for example, how much in the last couple of years stroke survival has improved. Um, the fact that somebody who gets cancer now in Ireland is more likely to survive than somebody in the UK and cancer survival rates are improving all the time. And no, that happened by accident. You know, that happened because we uh, found the money to fund the new drugs. But a great service. With, we, and to be fair, to you, I, all the I, I, I've taken call after call from people who praise what's behind those double mm. doors and they haven't, like, they never run out of praise for it. It's getting in. The problem is getting in. What's inside doesn't actually matter very much if you can't get in there. I, I, I think it does matter. Um, you know, people are living longer, healthier lives than ever before. Uh, and that's because of the quality of healthcare yeah, that but, we provide but, but people. But they can't get into they get in. it. They can't get into it. They're spending 17 hours in emergency departments sitting on trolleys. Some of them are just going home in pure frustration and pain. And that's, you know, and I acknowledge that. And, you know, that is the area where... Acknowledging it is fine. What are you doing about it? What we're doing about it is we're putting in more hospital beds. Um, it's not the only part of the solution. Uh, it is part of the solution, though. And, you know, we shouldn't forget where we, where we came from. We used to have nearly 12,000 beds in our in our hospitals uh, for reasons I, I don't understand. Uh, Fianna Fáil and government took about 1,400 of them out. Uh, and the moment we had a bit of money to invest in our health service, and mm. bear in mind it's only in the past two years that we've balanced the books, we've been putting beds back in. Uh, we've mm. put 600 beds back okay. in, but it's way, way short okay. of where we need to be with the... You know, with a growing population, an aging population, and then if we've a flu situation, uh, you know, things really kind of spill over at that point. Um, but we are going to put more in the flu, flu, flu. We hear this every year. Flu causes this, and flu causes that. Do you know what, Taoiseach? Flu comes around as sure as Christmas and St Patrick's Day. It comes every year, and every year HSE and ministers treated it as if it was some kind of a shock discovery. Do you know what I mean? Like we're we're sick, we're sick of that. Yeah, in fairness, that isn't that isn't what I said. Um, actually, sadly, hospital overcrowding is a year-round problem. Um, but what happens in the winter time, particularly if we have a bad flu season, and every flu season is the same. Uh, this one was much worse than last year's one, for example. Uh, you then see uh, a big spike in the number of people who um, have to spend time in a trolley. And it's not that we don't know that the flu comes around every winter. Um, but the difficulty is, is that we have very little surge capacity in our hospitals, um, none in some places, and that's why we've put in the extra 600 hospital beds. But it, it ain't enough, and, and I know it's not enough. And one of the things I really want to dedicate myself to doing, if uh, if I get um, a few more years in this job, is putting that right. Um, decades of underinvestment in our public health service. 
which we started to put right in the last year or two, okay. uh, which we can put right, but only if we um, keep the economy strong okay. uh, so that we have the money to do that, and only if we don't go back to a government led by the people who helped to create yeah, well, this problem by well, taking well, the 1,400 beds out in the first place. Okay, okay. Just to, to focus on one or two specific Cork things, um, it's almost four years now to the day that the first sod was turned on the event centre and we still haven't had a second one turned. We have no North Ring Road. We have Cork has been left down in, in so many ways over the last number of years and, and we also had one of the government TDs for the north side of this city just not doing the job he was paid to be doing in doing a second one. Like, how, When did you know that Darren Murphy was doing two jobs and collecting two salaries? Well, let me answer the, the, the charge that Cork has been let down. Um, you know, I don't accept that. When we came into office, Cork had one of the, one of the highest unemployment rates uh, in the country. It's now one of the lowest because so many jobs have been created. When we came into office in 2011, there were only 400 new homes uh, being built in Cork that year. It's now over 2,000. Uh, huge numbers of homes Could being built. Maybe now. address the question. Look at the airport that's doing so much better Could than we addressed the question. Years ago. Look at the port and what's happening there. Um, you started the question in fairness by saying that Cork has been let down. I just wanted to give you a few examples of where um, good things are happening in Cork, and there are good things happening in Cork. Yeah. I'm sure you'd be, you'd be, you'd be. Well, I would be. I would be wrong. I would be wrong to say they're not. I, I will acknowledge that there's been a lot of good things happening, but a lot of things like Sorry, your, the first. Your, your question. The first sod for the event centre. We've not since seen a second, and and in in one of our. Local TDs down here collecting two salaries, one for a job he wasn't doing. When did you know Darren Murphy wasn't doing his job as a TD? Did you approve him uh, drawing two salaries? I, I, I knew he got the position with DPP when he got it, and there's no secret in that. I issued a press statement out at the time. Um, and it was a temporary position, by the way. It wasn't a full-time uh, uh job it was for a period of about a year or so in the run into the European elections It's a long um, time to be out of the doll yeah, yeah but that's not um, and fobbing in to collect his day, um, his day this and that you know you know it, it is uh, you know I, I have a very strict rule and it is the rule in the capital handbook around ministers I, I don't allow ministers to have alternative employment um, but it is the case that a lot of the TVs and senators do. Um, it is allowed, um, but it's only allowed on the basis that they fulfil their yeah, duties but, 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 as a TD. But, but he wasn't working. Uh, he wasn't senator. working for his constituency. He might have been working for the European Parliament and all that kind of carry on, or European People's Party, whatever it was. He wasn't working for Cork North Central, which is what the people of Cork North Central elected him to do, and got through their taxes were paying him to do. He wasn't doing his job. Well, you know, if he let the people of Cork North Central down by not doing his job, well, then I'm not going to defend that uh, because that's a question that he has to answer and that's why... Well, he's not uh, standing, so he can't answer it. He's, uh, he's well, retired proper, now, he's gone. You know? There needs to be a proper investigation into that. Now, you know what he'll argue? He'll say the constituency office was still open, that he was present in the doll. He'll, he'll point to the fact that he was present for more votes than, than I was or Neil Martin was for that matter. Um, but this it sounds is like you let them off the hook. Uh, not, not for a second. Uh, first of all... Like, um, you were the I, boss. I, I like, said, the book rests with the boss, Taoiseach. First of all, I said that there should be a proper investigation into this, a statutory one, and he should submit to that. Um, but you're, you know, you're right. Uh, I, I am the boss, and I'm the person who can decide who is a candidate for my party. Uh, Tara Murphy is not a candidate for my party. But that was election. his choice, we, not we've yours. Col- we've Colin Burke. Yeah. He's also somebody who ceased to be, ceased to be Minister of State. 
uh, when I became uh, uh, leader of the party and he made the decision obviously after that not to uh, not to run again. And we have a really hard working candidate, a really decent person there in Senator Colin Burke who I think will do Cork proud if he gets elected. Mm-hmm. But bear this in mind, you know, I have had some people in my party who've let let my party down and let and let their constituents down more significantly. And that has caused huge annoyance. Uh, among members and volunteers in Fine Gael who work so hard. I've had a few of them, not just uh, Deputy, former Deputy Murphy. None of them are on the ticket uh, for this general election. Contrast that with Fianna Fáil, three TDs being investigated by the Ethics Committee uh, under VoteGate, who are candidates, and one candidate today... Who you you, you keep coming back to, to Fianna Fáil, sort director. of blaming them for all the things that are wrong, but you've, you've, uh, you, you know, you, you, your party's been in government for nine years now. The old Fianna Fáil stuff is kind of wearing thin. Yeah, but no, no, never mind the nine years. Let's look at now. Uh, now in this election. Never mind history. Now, today, the future. Um, Fianna Fáil has three candidates in this election, mm. As running as candidates who are uh, who have an ethics investigation um, still open on them, and a candidate we learned today who was struck off uh, as a company director for uh, tax issues and okay. the explanations we done there, I've made sure that that wasn't the case with, okay. with my candidates, where I had to take people to think that I did. Lastly, so lastly, and finally, not historically yeah. today okay. in this election happening on the 8th of February very different standards lastly and finally on, on disability 10% of the population of our city are, are, mm. have, have, have disabilities and a lot of children have disabilities I spoke to a woman this morning about her son he's four with a disability she has no idea what how she's going to educate him that was a problem before you came into government it's still a problem children particularly with disabilities the education system failing them drastically yeah, and you know it's definitely an area where where I really want to do more. Um, in another term, if we get one, if the people allow us to have one, I do think we've made a lot of progress in disability. You know, for the first time, we have a, a disability minister at cabinet. In the past, governments didn't think disability important enough to do that. Uh, we we ratified at long last the UN Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities. We've increased the um, you know you know the disability allowance, which was cut. I think they took I think Fianna Fáil took 11 euros 50 a week off the disabled. We've restored almost all of that. Um, we've put a new respite centre into uh, every region of the country so the people who need uh, respite can get it. Uh, and also we've put a lot more resources into school leavers. You know, into mm, people who, um, in the school leavers, people can't get into school. Of, um, children can't get into and, school. Uh, and record numbers of SNAs and record numbers of special classes. Yeah, children but still the can't demand get in. And the need that's right, and the demand and the need is huge. Um, but again, it's something that we've done a lot about. We know it's not enough. People tell us that in the doors, tell us that in the streets. We totally get that, and we want to do more. But again, I'd ask your listeners, who are you going to trust to do this? The people who have uh, made all those positive changes or the people who cut back the disability allowance? Well, uh, yeah. Who are you going to trust to do it? The people who can keep the economy strong, who can make sure we have the resources to make these improvements, uh, are those who sold us out to the Troika uh, and called well, the massive recession. Well, we, we, we will see who people will trust come the 8th of February. Taoiseach Leo Bradker, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line. Thank you very much indeed. 1850-715-996. That's it. We're done for today. See you tomorrow. We'll pick up the pieces on this just after nine. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 